Well, hello there. This is Brian Melanson, and you tune into this episode of the Altitude Sessions podcast coming to you from our studio in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. You guys miss me? Yeah, I took a couple weeks off after the exhaustion from Formulate here in Jackson Hole. We'll talk a little bit about how that turned out and really want to get into want to get in some fish stories in this particular podcast. Uh, you know, it's very popular among our membership to tell life stories of people that have gone out and have charted their own course. And we've got a really great story about uh, an individual that's got even some tethers here in Jacksonville and Oliver White in the fishing community. We're going to relate that to some career lessons as we get into this episode. So thanks again for stopping by the Altitude Sessions podcast. Glad to be back. Let's get on it. All right. Well, yes, as I mentioned, I am back and uh, I did take a week off and decided to go up to the great white north in Alaska a couple of days after formulating Jackson Hole ended. And as you could probably tell from the podcast leading up to the uh, Jackson Hole group, oh my God, man, I was tired. Uh, the late night podcast, the selling season that precedes this one. And, you know, it was time for a a week off to go rest and rejuvenate and rediscover some of the things that drive the passion for driving what we do here among the team and everything else. It was just time to go up and reconnect in, in my own way. And, uh, you know, missed you guys. I'm glad to be back. Glad to be recording this episode. Glad to get back on the horse, so to say. And, you know, the fun things is we continue to get nice compliments on this particular show. Uh, you know, we get plenty of people that offer ideas for improvement, and we're trying to make it better as we get going as well. But certainly appreciate the engagement that we hear from folks. The The numbers have been great, and even the uh, the emails we've gotten in the interim, like, you know, where the fuck's the next podcast? So I'm glad that some of you are looking forward to it, and we've heard from you. And all I can say is that, uh, you know, Brian took a little bit of a break, and went up in Alaska. It was a great trip, by the way. So we went down to, uh, we went to Anchorage and as part of that trip, you know, for those of you who've made the trip up there, you know, we went down the Kenai Peninsula and really, you know, drove the surface road that, that goes, that kind of borders the river for a decent amount of that, that journey goes through, you know, the Chugach Mountains and have a nice and divergence point, uh, you know, where you can go off to Seward and Portage and all that, or keep going down the Kenai and it's a beautiful journey. We went all the way down to where the end of Alaska one, where it stops, which is in the great town of Homer. And if those of you are fisher, fishermen or fisher people, is that more PC these days? I don't know, but whatever the hell you are, uh, we, you know, that's the halibut capital of the world. You know, the people that come in from all over the world to attack and fish and uh, rejuvenate themselves and restore and other things while going after, you know, one of the best tasting, ugliest fucking fish in the world. It's a little bottom feeder that's, you know, in Catchment Bay, and, and you go out and, you know, go go get them and ring them and, you know, pull them into the boat. And, you know, those are, those are you know, um, fish that are two, three, four hundred pounds at times. I know 400 is a monster, but, you know, you pull them in, and then you got to keep them from flopping around when you get them. It's, it's, those types of things are an experience. But for me, it was, it was, it, it kind of was the inspiration for this podcast because it's one I've actually been wanting to do for, for a while, and I do every once in a while I love to tell a story about, you know, someone that went out and charted their own course and built their own, their own brand per se, that that's out there living their dream 
and to kind of, you know, recount those stories and then relate it back to you guys from a, from a career perspective. And we're going to spend some time on that today with Oliver White. And we'll get into that here in a little bit and kind of talk a little bit about the, the story that is the surreal life that is Mr. White. And for those of you who are fishermen, I think you'll love that for or fisher people, whatever the, again, whatever the fuck. And for those of you that are uh, not fishermen or don't get out in the waters and do that kind of stuff, hang with us because it's, it's going to have, as we get to the end, we'll, we'll tie it back to three really nice career focused things that I think we can, learning lessons that we can talk through that some of which will come from the words of Oliver himself and some of which will come from, from me and we'll, we'll kind of tie it all back together. But you know, this is always fun. It's always fun to tell these stories and you know, the inspiration again, going back to the Homer discussion and being down there, there is a, you know, we, we went in off season, much like here in Jackson, when you come in in October, the tourists and the RVs and the buses and, all that or have are, are long for the most part left. A lot of the touristy stores and stops have pretty much closed. It is a magical time in Jacksonville in October, but shh, don't tell anybody. And then it is a magical time in uh, some of the, the resort communities, the tourism based communities, the fishing communities and others in, in Alaska in October as well, because it is, it's a time to connect with locals. It's a time to, to sit and listen and absorb the stories of the people that make those communities, the people that pioneered to get to those communities, to make those communities, communities, not only a place to live, but, you know, to be a place to, to build a business and hopefully thrive and to, to be part of an adventure. And, or if you were there long before it was a place that was on the map for tourism to help restore and continue to keep, if not restore, but to continue to keep the, the soul of the place. And, to be an advocate to drive what you want the community's identity to continue to be because of the long-rooted history of you and your family and previous generations living there. And it's just, it's such a cool melting pot, no matter whether you're here or if you're, you're in a place like, like Homer. And, you know, we, we ended up going, you know, like I said, most of the stuff down on, you know, there's a little, there's a little long, thin strip of, of dirt that runs out into the, into the ocean. And, it's, it's called the spit. So the Homer spit, and there's a lot of touristy things that are, that are on it. There's a lot of boats, fishing boats and other things you can imagine that, that back up and are, are all part of that experience, but none greater than if you've been to a Homer, you've probably been here, none greater than the watering hole, the salty dog. And you know, you know, this bastard, I like, I like to go find the watering hole. So here we go. By the way, tonight's, uh, tonight's bourbon or whiskey is Rough Rider. It's from our good friends in Long Island, New York. And I just popped the cork on this baby. I'm going to give it a run. So here's the first sip. Uh, may you all be healthy and prosper and maybe take a nugget or two out of this thing. Here we go. Oh, God. Uh, ooh, I tell you, for a first sip, that's rough. Uh, just choke that thing down and <laughs> maybe you're going to be choking this thing down, this podcast, by the time we're done. Holy God. Um, yeah, I'm not going to turn it away. I'm going to drink that stuff, but um, mm, okay. Uh, anyway, so as, as we as we kind of as we kind of get get into this a little bit more you know, at the salty dog, I'm sitting there and the I had the great serendipitous moment, which is just the wonderful things about you know building the story of each of our lives, of being in there with some of the folks that are fishermen on the the you know the Discovery TV show Deadliest Catch. 
and they were all just back, not from a fishing trip, believe it or not. A lot of them were just back from going together because they're a team. And then, you know, some of them spending, you know, large portions of their lives together, not only on the boat, but off that they were just back from a, a wilderness hunting trip. And, you know, what if, what are fishermen do and sitting in the bar drinking some of the stiffest drinks I think I've ever had poured in my life um, and, and laughing and having a good old time being part of that community. And what do fishermen do when they go hunting? Well, they tell fish stories, big fucking fish stories about how big everything was and how funny they were and how they were lost in the, uh, the, the forest and <laughs> couldn't, couldn't see each other at times and had to rely on all sorts of interesting stuff. But it's just great stories and great, great opportunity to connect with them and not, not be the annoying person to go, God, tell me all your fish stories from the boat and all that sh- other shit. I'm letting them relax just as much as I wanted to relax. But just connecting with them as people and loving the, the community and the spirit and the, the identity that comes from moments like that where, you know, even the salty dog brought in pizza and it was, it was a free thing and everybody ate it just to, just to create a gathering place for the community. I love that. And so it was a wonderful experience. It was a good time to get away. It was a good time to relax and, uh, you know, pull some books out, you know, while, while Chris and I were up there. Uh, of course, there was a big Pineapple Express event, so... You know, it, it rained like a son of a bitch, you know, pretty much the whole time we were there. But it's it's a place. I mean, look, Jackson Hole is beautiful. You go to Alaska and just the scale of the mountains rising out of the sea, it's an unbelievable jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring place as well. Uh, and so it's, it's just it's one of those things. It's about rejuvenation, hanging out with fishermen, going down to the halibut capital of the world, and uh, trying to not get dunked in all the rain. So that's that's a... Where, where I was for a bit, and then obviously back, getting back on the horse and getting back out there and riding. It takes a little bit to, to uh, you know, catch up on everything, and this is what we're doing, you know, podcast-wise and everything else. We just decided to uh, let Tired Brian take one off. So thanks for hanging out and back in it. And you formulate, and formulate Jackson Hole, great group this year. Like I said, you know, we had over 90 folks that came. It, I think this year, just with the focus that we put on, building that deep community ourselves, building kind of a, an, an ecosystem, a network of deeply entrenched folks that want to want to help and care for one another. And also the breadth of the opinions that are part of what we bring together, make that group a, a special thing that you know, no matter how many times we tell you or how many, how many times our team will market to you or other things, there's just no way to, to really get in there unless you talk to somebody who's been there before and let them describe it, not us. Cause you know, what credibility do we have? Well, I want somebody else that, that's been part of it to, to be in there and, and, and to be part of those discussions with your colleague or someone in the industry that you respect that's part of this community. Let them tell you why this group is something that's worth their time, why this community is something that's worth their time, why this community is growing and building towards some really awesome stuff that uh, we're, we're pushing toward into 2020 that we're pretty darn excited about. Uh, you can go out to our website and see the dates. If starting the groups where you want to start, you know, the dates for our group in Austin are already out there. That's for all your product and distribution folks. And for the folks that want to be part of the marquee gathering at the Four Seasons, it's uh, one extra day. It's three nights next year, uh, over two different cohorts. So we're going to do something that, you know, my geek speak uh, is creating a, a lattice effect, which starts with small group on the front that's its own independent cohort. And then there's a small cohort on the back that's its own independent cohort. And the two come together in the middle to create a larger uh, networking and idea sharing and strategy planning uh, extravaganza, if you will. And it allows for both an intimate experience with folks to tackle certain issues and then a larger 
more broad experience to increase the breadth of your networking and, you know, adjacently find people and swim your own course and maybe even be a little bit surprised and kind of see where, where the road takes you. I mean, there's already a lot of activity that's going on post the uh, formulate Jackson Hole Marquia group. There typically is every year. This year, I think that's no exception. A lot of stuff, a lot of people getting together, a lot of people that connected just with the way the format and the community comes together in those environments. Uh, it does forge some unique opportunities and bonds and things that people take advantage of. So that's all coming together. Oliver White, let's get into it. You're like, God damn, he's been, you know, muddling through this for 12 minutes. Let's get into the real, the real story. It's far more interesting than all that anyway. So Oliver White is a, he's a fly fisherman. He is, in a lot of ways, he's become, over the years, one of the faces of modern adventure-based fly fishing, where they're going out and he's going into places like Guyana and trying to go after these monster fish that are really difficult, if even for the first time, ever caught on a fly rod. And, you know, he's taking that, that passion for the sport and he's taking his passion for some of the things he's doing around a community-based viewpoint on on the sport and how it can help communities and help uh, certain portions or populations of the community and really pulling it all together in a, just a kick-ass business. And, you know, I think that if there's a uh, end run to all of this and then we get to the end and we talk about, you know, kind of the, the three major points, the one to keep in mind here on the front end is that he's had some a series of things in his life that forced him to, or not necessarily forced him, but there were inflection points in his life where he stepped back and he took stock on a few things and then made some decisions to make sure he was doing the things that he was passionate about. And his passion is fishing. And by chasing that passion for fishing, there's been a whole lot of things that have opened up for him in, in very unique ways over the course of his life. All right, here, a little, little more rough rider. Let's see if this gets better on the shot too. Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> we'll keep going and see. There's still more to down. I'm not, not, a, not the type of guy that's going to turn down a glass full of this stuff. So I'll, I'll keep uh, working it down. So the, this, the story, you know, the real, the interesting story with Oliver White is that, you know, in 2014, early 2014, he was 24 years old and he was working down in Argentina's Tierra del Fuego. And which is one of the, the top fishing destinations in the world. And it's, it really attracts a lot of uh, well-held people that are looking for that, that story to go back to Manhattan or wherever and tell the story of the, the ungettable fish or the big fish or the, you know, the fish that you caught that was a life-changing moment for, for that, that particular executive or that, that particular person. And, you know, Oliver is a, an up and coming fishing guide. He's down there working there his tie back to places like here in the Valley and Jackson Hole is he was also a guide here and working between places like Argentina and working uh, between, you know, the Jackson Hole Valley and the rivers that we have here going after some of the, you know, the Yellowstone trout and, and other things that, that, that run here that are, that are interesting in their own right, you know, cutthroats and those type of things. But when you're in those type of roles and you're doing that kind of work, not unlike being a, you know, wildlife safari guide here and, and some of the other things you you do just be by nature of the location and by nature of what you do, you're gonna come across some pretty interesting people. And one of those people that that Oliver came across at a young age at twenty four 
was Bill Ackman. Bill Ackman, if you that name sounds familiar, it should. He's he's a pretty activist investor at Pershing Square Capital Management, and runs a, a pretty significant firm, a fund that has had its its uh, massive successes and in that business at times it's it's fairly public and and massive um, failures that, that that come with that. I don't know. I'm sure Bill would agree that that's always the the, the term, but that's that's what it that, that's him and so he uh by you know again these these life's moments these moments of serendipity these things were just things come together in in their own unique ways because you're out there and you're you're being part of things and you're participating well so bill wins a trip down to argentina and it's again it's like going to augusta national it's like going to the ocean club if you're ocean course if you're if you're a golfer and South Carolina, it's in Gunkiwa Island. It's like it's like playing, uh, you know. Again, these these top courses. It's you know life's journey, top of the top type stuff. And you know, Bill is down there. He he wins this trip on auction. Goes down to Argentina. He shows up with a friend, and they have little gear on. All they you know, they're he's not a fisherman. You know, he's got waders on and he's got a hat on. And one of the biggest giveaways in tourist towns like Jackson or in Argentina, if you're up in Homer. Is if you're wearing new shit and you're about to go fishing and it looks like it's, you know, it's all brand new, it's probably you're, you're a newbie. And while you're excited about it, you're going to stick out uh, compared to some of the more experienced folks that got on their, on their, all their dirty, gnarly shit and, and other things that, uh, that just show the weathering of experience and the favorite hats and the favorite waders and the favorite this and that, that just don't come with the new kits. Same thing with all the ski folks and other things, you know, bring your new kits and your money. We, we love you, but. Uh, doesn't mean that we don't uh, see you and go, yeah, we do see you. So in this, they're down in Argentina, and the uh, the the they're there. They're basically they've shown up to Augusta National. They have the honor, the great honor, more or less, in, in fishing parlance and, and comparing it to golf. They they have this moment to 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 play, and it's like the equivalent of not bringing your golf clubs, and it's the equivalent of not only not bringing your golf clubs, it's the equivalent of not even, not even have ever hit a golf ball. And, you know, they're down there, they got all their stuff, the, you know, sands, fishing rods and, and all the other things that, that come with the sport. And our friend Oliver recognizes these people right away. And you can be the person, the tourist, that, you know, or the, the person, the local person that makes fun of the, ah, oh, look at the newbies. These guys are a disaster. No. He recognizes not who they were, but he just recognized an opportunity because of his passion of fishing. He's like, you know, this is a chance where I can <laughs> do the best I can, but I'm going to take these guys out and teach them basically how to fish. And I'm going to do it at, at Augusta National. And as, as they get out and they get, you know, they spend their, their week there and working with young Oliver, again, the up-and-coming guy, by the time the week's over, you know, Bill Ackman has caught a 24-pound brown trout. And it was all done on this journey while they're out there on the flats. It's, it's this journey where they talked about fishing. They talked about life. They had an opportunity to connect with each other. And in that connection, sometimes when you talk about things like fishing and life, where you have to look at people like Bill Ackman, Bill, Bill saw something in Oliver. And by seeing something in Oliver, he said, hey, you know what? I think that you, there's more to you. I think there's 
there's a lot about the depth of the intelligence and your ability to look at things and solve issues and, and other things that's really intriguing to me. And Bill actually offers him a job and says, I'll offer you a job, but it, it comes with these, these conditional things. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you 12 books on investing, and it's going to include, include you know, the opinions from people like Buffett and Greenblatt and all the folks at the time that, you know, many are still pretty good now, uh, but all the folks at the time that, that you know, had, had some pretty interesting ideas on, on being a really good, reasoned, and successful investor. And Ackman said, I'm going to send all this stuff to you. That package ends up coming to Jackson Hole because he, you know, Oliver's leaving his thing in, you know, seasonally in Argentina and heading up this way for the summer. And what does he do? He actually reads them. He reads the 12 books. He reads the 12 books and takes the leap of faith and calls Bill back. And, you know, because a lot of times in these jobs, you're in cars with well-heeled people and on the part of bullshit and everything else. We're like, oh, yeah, I think you're great. I'd love to, you know, stay in touch and... You know, I, I might have something for you. Well, in this case, Bill actually did. And in this case, though, Bill was also smart by putting this, these 12 books in front of him. Say, so you read these, and if you show me you've read these, and we have a conversation, you've read these, I want you to come up to New York, and I want you to interview for being an analyst inside our organization, the type of place that some of you that may be the uh, well-educated college set that you know goes out and looks for these types of jobs, you know, the types of people like that, that submit zillions upon zillions of resumes for these, you know, four or five coveted positions in a place like this. Bill said, Hey, you know what? You've got something. There's something about you that you've got. And if you show me that you can get this done, I want to talk. So there's an open-mindedness to sometimes just letting life strike serendipity happen, which we talk about all the time. Serendipity is a wonderful thing. Let it happen. And then letting it happen. And then when you get your moment, in that case, and when the lottery ticket for you comes up, because I do believe that in all of our lives, no matter how good or bad they are, we do have our moments. Sometimes the things that separate us are the times when the lottery ticket's called or the number comes up, and we don't take it. We don't explore it. We turn it down. We let fear get in our way. We let other things navigate in that situation to muddy the water without clarity, and then all of a sudden, you know, that, that time has come by. You didn't collect the winnings from, from the number coming up. In this case, Oliver goes up there and interviews, gets the job, you know, makes $60,000 a year and becomes a, a well-known analyst. And there's all sorts of stuff. You know, he convinced him to invest in Lake Mason, some other successes inside the, uh, the capital management firm. And when it's all said and done, he, you know, has a nice run and he's doing well enough where Bill says, hey, you know, I'd like to you know, take this career even further. I mean, how do you feel about things like going to Harvard and getting an MBA and, and other things? And for someone that I relate with, because I can't, I grew up, you know, on the lower to middle end of the middle class spectrum and was solidly in that camp and, you know, had parents that worked their butt off uh, to make sure that I got to go to college. And then after the fact, I worked my butt off working with my parents to pay crap off and, and everything else and, and live that that lifestyle to get to the point where even I am here today, you know, he's given an opportunity to take it even further and say, let's get you to Harvard. Let's get you an MBA and other things. And, 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 you know, as, as wonderful of an opportunity as it was where the story gets more interesting, at least to me is he takes a step back and says, you know what, this is a great opportunity. It's been a great run. Uh, I'm working for a great person. I've already learned an MBA basically in life, working for someone like Bill. I want to take a step back and get back into the point where, I can wear flip-flops, I can be out in nature, 
I can go pursue my passion, which is fishing. So they have the conversation with Bill. He says, hey, I'm going to go fishing. And they end up doing some things where they buy some lodges and go out on some things together where, where Bill remains and keeps his tie with, with Oliver. And, and as he you know goes out and starts to drive his, his dreams forward and, and getting into fishing. And it's, you know, it, there's a couple of things that come out of this that, that are interesting. One, Bill Ackman, why the hell? Why would you hire someone like Oliver White to come in and sit inside a well-held professional organization? And, you know, Bill, in, in several instances, as I said, in, in lots of different places, because it was good to have someone out of the mainstream. And Bill's done that since. You know, Bill has has brought in uh, folks like his his tennis pro. Uh, he's brought in someone he met in a cab that's that's come and joined that firm. And that's just kind of one of the things where he keeps an open mind and looks and tries to spot talent in unique places. Are you? Or are you that talent that maybe your moment's about to come and are you ready? But it's good to have someone out of the mainstream. How many times in your organization do you have too many people that sit in the mainstream and they all sit on their hands and they, they talk about the rally and cry and, oh, this is what we're going to do as an organization. He was the fucking boats going off the end of the cliff. I don't know how that happens, but that'd be kind of cool to watch. But it's whatever, you know, the boat's going to the end of the ocean, you know, or it's going into the ocean, doesn't know where the fuck it's going, and you're everybody's just sitting there going, oh, it'll be an interesting trip. You know, how many how many of those type of, of people, uh, you know, sit within the organization because they're all kind of part of the, the cult, the mob, the the thing that's been melded together? When do you bring out the, when do you bring in those outside thinkers, and how do you balance that against the interior parts of the organization, the the, the established parts of the organization versus the, the more outside thinker, the one that's got different perspectives that may even sit well outside of the industry. And just to, just to diversify opinions, because I mean, there's so, so, so much stuff out there these days that say that diversity in opinion and diversity in life experiences, uh, all that stuff matters. And, you know, uh, from male, female to the, you know, the, the, you know, race and all that, you, you want to have a nice mix of a lot of that stuff. Because it's it's all these different perspectives when you meld it together that create something that's special, and it typically ends up being a a sum of things that are greater than their parts. So, this is the the opportunity, the moment it's taken. It's there's been a run where things go well, and then Oliver says, "Gosh, it's time for me to get back into what inspires me, what my passion is, and I'm going to go fishing." And his thing is. He wanted to find a way to balance making money and living his desired lifestyle, live amongst a community of a lot of people that are like that. And it's, you know, to an extent, even I am somewhat like that. I mean, it's not an easy and achievable lifestyle we've talked about in the past, but it is a lifestyle worth achieving if that's what you want. And I think that the, the, the thing that's cool there is that he's gone on since then and he's become this, this face of, of modern sport fishing, this adventure fishing with the stuff that he's chasing. He's also doing things to get back to the community. He's got something called uh, Indie Fly, which is a, it's a project that works with indigenous people all over the world in select spots that use sport fishing as a way to attract these big hilled folks with goods amount of money that start to bring this money in to take these trips to catch the new the new big fish, the unique story that, that should be told back in, at home with families and in boardrooms and with clients and other things, the life experiences that make the stories, you know, reign supreme in Manhattan for a week or in Boston or, or wherever. And what he's doing is he's saying, hey, let's get you down to these places where 
an indigenous tribe in Guyana can take you on this journey. You pay them. They make money by doing catch and release sport fishing, fly fishing on, on, you know, out in their waterways. And because they're making that money, they're not forced to allow a, a land mining operation to come in and clear cut the trees or take the minerals out of the, of the dirt and other things. So it's this belief that you can create a sustainable economic opportunity for the indigenous people in these regions that have the privilege of having these, these wild and unbelievable species that can be caught and then released. And at the same point, because they're now economic, there's now economic opportunity, opportunity tied to the things that happen in nature. It also creates an army of conservationists and these indigenous tribes as well that, that don't want anything to happen to spoil the waterway, that don't want anything to happen to run the fish off because the money's being made in, in this, this way. And so that's Indy Fly, Indy Fly and it's, it's, an, it's a cool thing. It has its, its, it has its touch points back here even in, in Jackson Hole because the, they're, they're working with the up in the Wind River, which is just outside of Jackson Hole with the Shoshone tribe and with the northern Arapaho Indians. And they're building tribal-led fishing ops to help expeditioners that come into town here, you know, get, get their kicks doing, you know, doing that kind of fishing up, up in that part of the world. So it, it's just, it's just a really cool story. And, and you know, I, I was really turned on to this and it just it jogged my memory in, in Homer that this is a story that I wanted to tell. I'm, I'm glad you, you stuck with this and you've listened to this a little bit. And it really was kind of cemented that this is a story I wanted to tell because I saw Oliver on a commercial and, you know, when you've lived in Jackson long enough and if you've been here, you know, there's backdrops of the Tetons and there's the curve of the Snake River and and other things. And when you see somebody in a commercial fly fishing and there they are, you're like, well, shit, who is that? And then you go back and jog your memory. Oh, that's Oliver White. And how cool is that? So here are the, here are the three things that I want to tie it all back. One is that in, in anything that you do, we can talk about passion and purpose and all that stuff all day long. There's a lot of people out there who want to talk about this stuff and, you know, be passionate about what you do, you know, you know, give yourself a purpose in life. And I think that that stuff, that stuff matters. But the point to me, I mean, first off more than anything, and this is as true in fly fishing as it is in running a, running your board. It's as, it's as true as uh, building a strategy organization. It's as true as building a new startup company from the ground up. And this is something that I, I didn't, fully appreciate even in the younger stages of my career. One is, and it's very simply stated, but you just, I think sometimes we try to get ahead of, our, ahead of ourselves. Sometimes experience does matter. And that over time, just like they say, you know, the, the 10,000 10, hour thing and other things, I mean, you know, Oliver's talked about it in interviews that you can find all over the web, you know, beyond the 10,000 hours, what separates a, a great angler like him versus someone else who may be as good with a fly rod or maybe even better mechanically than he is. What separates them is that he understands how to tackle the unique problem sets that are thrown at him on a day in and day out basis better because his database of experiences is just bigger. And the only time that that database gets bigger and bigger and bigger is it's the only way it does is just through time. And I think sometimes when you're, in the younger stages of your career. And again, guys, I've been guilty of this too. Sometimes when you're in the younger stages of your career, you look at yourself as the mechanically more efficient and proficient, even potentially fly fisherman. My mechanics are better. My equipment's better. My approach is 
every once in a while better, but what you can't see until you, you, you get through some other things is that your experience set, the database of experiences, you know, in the fisherman parlance, understanding the tides and how when the tides are different, understanding when the wind's blowing, understanding the just experience with where the creatures hang out and on what days that's better than when that's better than others, understanding what to do in murky water conditions versus clear, understanding what to do when standing on a rock, what to do in a swift river with swift current, what to do in a river with very little current, what to do when the river's high, what to do when the river's low. All those things are built and they put based on experience and being out there and being part of this. That's what goes into the database. That's the stuff that, that becomes the knowledge base that makes the world-class angler different than the one that, that isn't, you know, they've spent thousands upon thousands of hours figuring all that stuff out and gathering all that experience. You don't have time to do that. And in your case, in your career, if you're younger stages of your career, you haven't had enough time to see all of that. And that's a, sometimes a tough thing to think through, but in the, the process is like, gosh, well, there's young execs that have gone out and have been really successful. Yeah. But a lot of those stories are, are executives that are in companies that were in industries that didn't exist. You know, it's like, you know, all of a sudden you're, you all get flown, flung and flown onto Mars and dropped there. That You can make an argument. Well, at that point, does, does experience really matter? I mean, who the fuck's been to Mars to this point? Well, none of us. So we're all in it together and we'll have to figure it out as we go. There are those type of industries and opportunities where maybe there's exceptions to the rule, but generally in more established industries are ones that, you know, when you management processes and other things, experience does matter. It does matter. The bigger the database gets, the easier it gets to solve the riddle. It just does. That's Oliver's statement, not mine. The bigger the database gets, the easier it is to solve the riddle. And that casual anglers, they lack the database to solve the riddle that day. That's why he exists. That's why people pay him, you know, good money. And some of the best people in the game pay good money for him to be there. One more. Here we go. Rough Rider. Yeah, third time's the charm. It's getting better. Maybe I'm just getting more experienced with it. The second thing, so experience matters one. The second thing is find something that completely detaches you from the world. In previous podcasts, we've talked about things like Parks RS, RX and getting out into nature. And we, we've talked about how important that is. There, you know, there's Eastern mindfulness and there's all sorts of shit out there that you can go research on this. But, you know, you've, the thing that he talks about in fishing that I think applies to all of us is that there are times, in times in our day, times in our week, where we need to provide enough concentration that you can't think about anything else. But at the same point, not so much that it's taxing. And in this case, when you're out there fishing, you know, you're, you're having to navigate a few things. You're having to focus intently on the fishing because there are certain fish that they may come out of the water and roll over and you have three to five seconds to hook the fish before they're gone. And that requires concentration, but it requires this, this more serene, while it's, you're, it's demanding, it requires this more, this more serene, non-taxing focus on just the water, the, the current problem in front, the, 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 the effort that it's going to take once you hook the fish and what you're going to do. It's, it's just all of that and just, just focused on that one thing at hand and being very singularly focused on that. In the complex world that we live in now, we don't do near enough of that. And as an executive that has 9 million things coming at you all day long, myself included, this world gets really muddled and it makes your thinking go to shit if you don't take care of 
those type of things. You will make bad decisions if you don't find ways to, at times, center yourself and pull yourself out of this complex world and get very simple in, in the way that you approach certain things and the way that you think about things. Find something that allows you to detach from the world for a bit so that you can get your mind back in a place where you can, you can, you know, make a difference and you can solve a problem in, in a much more clear, better place. You know, all this complexity in this world, I mean, we, we all, in, inside of us innately, we're all seeking some type of moment where we find some stillness and some calm. And then within that stillness and calm drives optimism and optimism and thinking and drives clarity in our thinking and all that stuff. We're looking for all that. I mean, the world would, would be a much better place if all of us could find ways to get outside and find Zen. I believe that. I, Oliver believes that. He stated it. I, I, I completely believe that. Third point from is for me. And that is, are you chasing what you want to do? Oliver could have gone on and could have gone to Harvard MBA. He could have had a kick-ass career, or we, we imagine, at, at Pershing Square or wherever he wanted to go on after that. And it, we could have been writing a story about the next, you know, billionaire fund manager and all the glorious things that he's done. Instead, he owns a couple of lodges down in the Bahamas and the Abaco Islands and, you know, takes you know, well-held people all over the world and fishes, and he's working on indigenous tribal uh, folks to bring econo- economic activity into their region so that they can make money, sustain their, their self, and at the same point, you know, be a conservationist in their midst as part of all that and pulling that all together. Because he chose to, cho- to go after his passion, that's what he's doing. Now, you may say, gosh, I've got, you know, I've got kids, and, you know, my kids are in high school, and, you know, I can't just pick up and go, you know, and, and I don't have a buddy that's going to give me a couple million dollars to go buy a lodge in the Bahamas. You know, that, that moment hasn't happened for me yet. Well, yeah, well, here's the thing. Maybe it hasn't, or maybe you're not looking in the right place. I, I, would, I would tend to say, I mean, there, there are people that, that are in customer service jobs. There are people that are in, in jobs interfacing with people all day. There are people that literally scrub shit all day for a living. And there are still, when you look at all of that stuff, there are still people that stand out over others, no matter what they're doing. And it's just because there are people that have found ways that no matter what they're doing, they've found ways to, to make it into what they want to do. Or they, they, they work within an organization where they're recognized for thinking about something. So their passion is, you know, if, if I'm a housekeeper in, in, a, in a hotel, you know, my passion may be, well, you know, the scrubbing the, the shit and the awful stuff that you've left behind in the room after you've checked out. The other side of it is, is they have probably, they, they may be part of something where they're part of an innovation group inside that organization that gets together. And I've seen this at some of the hotels that I've stayed at and some of my friends that have run hotels as general managers and others. They pull them together in some of those conference rooms and they talk about the things that are working. They talk about the things that aren't working. They talk about, um, you know, where their passion is, how they can make an impact broader for the hotel organization and, and for the, the businesses they're running that maybe even a little bit broader than, than the day-in-a-day housekeeping stuff. They talk about all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, for, for us, you know, as, as people that are trying to figure out this very complex riddle in healthcare, it's about figuring out, are we chasing the passions that we want to chase in this game? Or are we just sitting on our hands while the boat's sailing off in the night, not knowing where the hell we're really going? 
And are we also finding ways to instill the passion in other people? Because as you get higher and higher in your responsibility in your career and other things, you know, there's, you're further removed from the actual work. It all comes down to your ability to find ways to motivate people to find their passion to do more than they think they can do, to be more than they think they could become. And, you know, I give that credit to people like Bill Ackman who saw this from, from Oliver White and said, hey, come in. I, I want to bring somebody outside in perspectives. You're going you're gonna to be an interesting person to put on this team that will add some diversity of thought, and, and we're going to do that, and I think it makes a hell of a lot of sense. And he took it and then took the opportunity in his life to go back and build a better business pursuing the passions that, 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 he, that he wanted to pursue, which is fishing. I would just leave you with this. Look, we're all fishermen. We're all out on a river or we're all out on a boat at sea and we're all fishing. We're all fishing for something. We're all fighting for something. We're all searching for something. My wish for you is, you know, as, we, as we're out there fishing, get real with that moment. Get real with where you are in your life. Get real with where you are in your career. Get real with where you are in having a, a support network of people that can help you become successful or we can take your success to the next level. You'll get real with all that. And as you're out there fishing, you know, when your time comes, and there'll be another time. If, it is, if it's already come and it's passed, believe me, the life is one good thing about being an entrepreneur. You wake up every morning, you, you look at things and you go, Jesus, I'm almost overwhelmed with all the opportunities and all the problems and things that can be solved. And then, then it's more a matter of being mindful about focusing on some of this stuff. But the number, your number's out there. It's coming. It's coming today. It's coming tomorrow. It's coming a week from now. It's coming a month from now. But while you're out there fishing, and it's time, you're, the, the Bill Ackmans have come along, and it may be the great client that, that you've been seeking all year, and you didn't know where it was coming from. It could be a number of different things. It doesn't have to be some guy coming to offer you a new job. But when it's there, get real about it. Jump in the moment. Do what you need to do to take advantage of it. All right, so we'll wrap this podcast up there in the 42nd minute. Like I said, I'm back. I'm full of piss and vinegar. I'm raring to go. So hope you enjoyed this. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the Altitude Session podcast. This is Brian Melanson, M4 Innovation. You know, we're here to elevate your healthcare thinking. Got all sorts of good stuff coming here in 2020. Check out the website. It's, it's evolving. You know, what we're doing is evolving. Won't talk about it much here, but we'll talk about it in the in the coming weeks. But uh, go to m4innovation.com. If you're not part of the community yet, go join it, man. Go get in there. Go get your profile. Be part of what we're doing. And uh, let us reach out to you and, and pull you into a little bit more of some of the things that we got up our sleeve. Healthcare is in such a cool uh, but but uh, tricky place right now. And we're, we're uh, really, really honored to be pulled into more and more things with some folks that are, are truly thinking about how to solve for this industry as we look forward. And I've never been more energized, honestly, about some of those things. I've never been more energized about some of the ideas that we've been playing with that are really starting to gain traction with, with, with some folks that are out there. And uh, it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's, like I said, it's an interesting time. You can say there's some aspects about it. It's a tenuous time, but it's also an incredibly exciting and invigorating time to go fish. Let's go catch one together. Again, Brian Melanson, Altitude Sessions Podcast. I'll see you here in a couple of weeks. Thanks.